really do appreciate that. It's nice to know that local radio is still alive and well. I support the station because I uh, would like to see a commercial alternative survive in this rather harsh economic situation. Keep local public radio here in the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Give now at WJFFradio.org. This is Radio Catskill or Public Radio for the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. We keep you connected with news and information. And we're about to do it again on a Wednesday evening, even during our fall favorites fun drive. At any point of this program, you feel moved to support the kind of public radio station that gives you daily local news like this that we have six days a week between the local edition and Radio Chatskill. You just move yourself on over to your phone or to your computer. Call us at 845-482-4141 to donate or go to WJFFradio.org. Click Donate Now. Coming up, we got the latest on jobs and the economy with James B. Huntington. It's Work Shift Live. We'll also check in quick about the governor's debate in New York State that happened last night. But first, it's the other thing we always do on Wednesday. It's our weekly news roundup with the River Reporter. And for that, we turn to award-winning reporter Leah Mayo from the River Reporter. Leah, thank you for joining us again. Thanks for having me again. So uh, we've been talking about the Sullivan County Legislature. Uh, we talked a lot about the the politics and the kerfuffle that was happening last week. Um, so we don't really need to cover that angle of it again. And in terms of uh, you know the whole um, who's eligible to be on the committee, um, that whole thing we talked about a couple times. But something that we didn't talk about is the uh, emergency medical services uh, issue that came up. A number of different plans were floated. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so this was in the same meeting as, I believe, the kerfuffle you're talking about, but a little uh, on on more of a substantive note, um, one might say. it. Uh, the Sullivan County Legislature was talking with uh, Tom Farney, who heads the Division of Public Safety, I believe, and they were talking about ways to support the county's uh, EMS services, its volunteer ambulance corps. And... The, one of the ways they were thinking of doing that is by funding a uh, ambulance corps or an ambulance rig that would um, sort of fill in the gaps either during the day or in underserved areas of the county where the volunteer ambulance corps can't quite cover. That would either be through the county funding one of the uh, private medical companies already in Sullivan County, like Mobile Medic, to expand its operations or by setting up its own sort of county-run rig. And that they asked Tom Farney to do a report on that and other possibilities, and he'll be bringing that report back to the legislature in December, I believe is the plan. You know, Liam, I feel like it's a little bit of deja vu here because I feel like there's there's been multiple times over the course of the past half year or so that we've talked about different uh, different municipalities kind of trying to tackle the same issue in terms of uh, emergency health response and, and health treatment. As you cover all these different stories, is there any kind of picture that's emerging? Is this just the typical struggles of a rural area to to maintain these emergency medical services or or is are the people that you're talking to indicating that this is kind of a new era that they're dealing with uh the picture is very much that we're moving into a new era for um providing medical services to the county um the legislature in its sort of conversation was relying largely on a study from the benjamin center 
out of, I believe, SUNY New Paltz. Uh, that was done a few years ago. And one of the conclusions of that study was we're sort of moving toward a more, um, like, professional ambulance services sort of across New York. Uh, volunteerism is going down. Training requirements are going up. And you could, in theory, uh, get solve those problems by a huge push for volunteers. But the more likely way that's going to sort of be solved is either by sort of consolidation of cores with stuff happening at the county level rather than through a bunch of through the individual ambulance cores like this kind of county ambulance services or just by more funding in general more professionalism more funded ambulance cores rather than volunteer ambulance cores so like you said this is a trend that we're seeing both at the town level and now at the county level as well and at least according to the trends and the analysis that's out there this is sort of the way we're looking to set things up in the future and i know you're going to keep uh, following these stories and keep us up to date every once in a while i just want to take a look at that big picture like that because uh, you know it's it's like you say it's happening again and again different municipalities tackling the same story another issue that uh ta- that keeps emerging is uh connectivity um also energy issues and uh over the past couple of years Sullivan county has seen a boom of solar farms being installed or at least proposed and now community solar projects across the state of new york are having issues with their customers receiving bills late or not at all is <laughs> i guess that's on the business side of these solar farms what's the story liam Yeah, so the story is the New York State Public Service Commission, which oversees a lot of this energy business, um, directed its power utilities back in September to uh, file implementation plans uh, about the development of automated consolidated billing. And that's a lot of very technical terminology, but basically what it is is it, it used to be that solar companies and utilities would bill their customers separately even though like it was sort of one combined process. So one person would get two bills and do it all kind of even out. Um, and utilities are moving now to a process of consolidated billing where you get the one utility bill and everything is kind of wrapped up in that. But uh, what we've been seeing as consolidated billing is rolled out, that some utilities aren't, don't have the manpower in place to, um, properly go through that process. So customers are sort of receiving bills late. Uh, they're receiving several months bill of bills at once. And one of the utilities this is happening with is NYSEG, which does cover the Sullivan County area. Um, the sister companies, NYSEG and rg e have around 55,000 community solar customers, according to them. And less than 25% of those customers are currently affected by billing delays, but that's over 10,000 customers. So that's still kind of a lot of people that are being affected by this. Yeah, I mean, 25% is a significant percentage of, of any provider's uh, uh, population. But I mean, you know, uh, that's a big one. It's a big one in New York State. So um, so that's 
Thank you for that report. But I also know that you're looking at um, Eldred Central School District wants to make some improvements at the elementary, junior, senior high school campuses to make that happen. They're asking voters to approve a bond to fund these capital improvements. My question is, what's the nature of these improvements? What are they looking to do? And is there any indication as to whether it's likely to pass or not at this point? Um, I'll answer the second question first. I don't know if there's... Any, <laughs> I had uh, to ask. <laughs> yes, I, I don't have that knowledge off the back of my hand, but um, the vote, I believe, happens in December, so we'll see then. And the work being done would be largely in two areas, in the athletic fields um, at the high school and at the libraries of both schools. The libraries are would be reconfigured into multimedia learning centers desired to enhance independent uh, teacher-directed and individual project learning. Um, and uh, the athletic field renovations would be about $5.9 million for another, a couple of areas. Uh, there would be new fields, new bleacher seating, uh, restrooms, a concession stand. So just, you know, a lot, a lot of really nice quality of life improvements. Is there a price tag on this at this point? Like if you have people voting on a bond, do we know how much it is? Yeah. So the bonds uh, in total um, sort of does a couple of things. So it, it funds all of this, but I believe it pays off certain existing bonds. So like replacing those bonds um, for the entire project, 11 $1.165 million would be borrowed, $1.565 million would come from existing funds, and the whole deal is structured in a way that it will be tax neutral. So taxes won't necessarily go up or down, I believe. All right. Well, Liam, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us uh, this Wednesday evening, and uh, listeners will be able to hear you again on the weekend doing your local headlines for New York and Pennsylvania. And, of course, uh, the latest edition of The River Reporter comes out tomorrow. Liam, thank you for taking the time to talk to us here. Thank you for having me on, and donate to WVFS. That's right. Thanks, Liam. The number to call to donate is 845-482-4141, by the way. Or you can go to WJFFradio.org. WJFFradio.org. Click Donate Now. This is the local edition. We've got some state-level news coming up. Then we have the latest on jobs and the economy. We'll let you know also we have a special live edition of Let's Talk Vets coming up tonight at 7 o'clock. Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg was at the first-ever uh, Vets Fest that happened up in Neversink this past weekend on a beautiful day. We'll have audio from that festival and reporting from Doug Sandberg's coming up at 7 o'clock. And at 8 o'clock, it's the Retro Cocktail Hour's annual Halloween Spooktacular. But first up, as we said, state news from the New York State Public Radio Exchange. There was a debate last night. Two candidates for New York Governor Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul, who's seeking election to a full term in office and challenger Republican Long Island Congressman Lee Zeldin sparred in a spirited debate. It was held on Spectrum News last night. It touched on crime, abortion and threats to democracy. Karen DeWitt has more. 
Zeldin's made fighting crime a focus of his campaign, and he says if he's elected, he intends to create a crime state of emergency. He says he'd rescind recent criminal justice reforms, including bail law changes that ended most forms of cash bail, and that he says favor criminals because the people want him to. This is our opportunity. Two weeks from tonight, we can continue with the status quo where they believe they haven't passed the pro-criminal laws, or we can take control of our destiny and make sure law-abiding New York are in charge of our streets again. Hochul says she oversaw changes to the state's bail laws to make more crimes bail eligible, but she says the answer to curbing crime is not that simple. First of all, you can either work on keeping people scared or you can focus on keeping them safe. And she says decreasing the number of illegal guns has to be part of the solution. There is no crime-fighting plan if it doesn't include guns, illegal guns. And you refuse to talk about how we can do so much more. You didn't even show up for votes in Washington when a bipartisan group of enlightened legislators voted for an assault weapon ban. Hochul repeatedly brought up Zeldin's congressional record, including his vote on January 6, 2021, against certifying the 2020 presidential election, which Joe Biden won and Donald Trump lost. Zeldin says he voted against the certification because he was concerned over potential technical problems with voting in Pennsylvania and Arizona, allegations that were later proved unfounded. Hochul also several times during the debate tied Zeldin to Trump, who has endorsed Zeldin in the race and is unpopular in New York, asking the congressman at one point whether he thinks Trump was a great president. Is Donald Trump a great president? I worked closely with him on a, a yes number or no. of important yes policies. Or no. Zeldin demurred, instead recounting economic development projects Trump brought to Long Island and crediting him for his handling of the pandemic. The congressman steered his remarks several times to questions over campaign donations Hochul has received and whether there was pay-to-play involved in state purchase orders, including one awarded to a donor who delivered COVID tests. Hochul says there was no quid pro quo and that she follows the rules. Zeldin also questioned the $1 billion deal the governor cut to build the Buffalo Bills a new stadium, saying it was too favorable and that if elected governor, he would renegotiate the deal. Giving a multi-billion dollar owner of a football team all of the this tax dollars which is yours as the governor you're actually supposed to be a steward of the money the debate also addressed abortion rights following the u.s supreme court's overturning of the landmark abortion decision roe v wade in june zeldin who opposes abortion says he won't change new york's law which codified the rights in roe into state statute but he would not directly answer a question on whether he'd sign a bill banning abortion in the state if the legislature passed one saying that in blue new york York, that's not going to happen. When we woke up the day after the Dobbs decision, the law in New York was exactly the same as it was the day before. And I'm not going to change that. Hochul, who backs abortion rights, says the only reason nothing changed after the Supreme Court's Dobbs decision is because she is governor. And she cast doubt on Zeldin's promise not to interfere with New York's abortion rights laws, saying he voted in Congress to ban abortion. You even said how on the first day Thank you. you're willing to suspend laws. How do we know you won't do it then? I don't trust Trust this. Women don't trust this. There are no more scheduled debates between the candidates between now and Election Day. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Thank you for listening to Radio Catskill during our Fall Favorites Fun Drive. 
This one-of-a-kind radio station with local programs you can't find anywhere else depends on your support. If you haven't given yet, please take a moment to donate at WJFFradio.org. Let us know which shows are your favorites and keep local public radio here in the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Give now at WJFFradio.org. It's WJFFradio.org. Click Donate Now at WJFFradio.org. Call us at 845-482-4141. Make a donation of any amount, 845-482-4141. Welcome back to the local edition. News and information that keeps you connected in the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. And right now, this is what we do every Wednesday evening. We check in for the latest on jobs in the economy around our listening area, around the country, around the world. For that, we turn to James B. Huntington for Work Shift Live. Hello, James. Good evening, Jason. Good evening, All right, James, uh, thank you for joining us again live here on WorkShift Live. I know we got a lot to get to. Let's dive right in. Um, remote companies, are they? We often talk about companies wanting workers in person, a lot of workers wanting to be at home, but there are remote companies that are hiring? Yes, I have a list of 10 companies that are exclusively remote that are hiring, that have positions open now. That means people in this area or any area possibly could apply to them. Okay, here are the names. Automatic with two T's and two T's near the end. This web development company is looking for a JavaScript engineer and senior product designer. Big Time Studios, a multiplayer games creator. Care Rev. Works to connect healthcare facilities to professionals from relevant industries. GitLab, that's G-I-T-L-A-B, helps coders cooperate. Lead Simple, real estate software, lead software engineer there. Scribendi, an online proofreading and editing firm. They need an editor. Software Mill. Computer software company recruiting candidates for content and digital marketing. Theorem One, an engineering firm looking for a senior solutions architect and full cycle bookkeeper. TopTal, T-O-P-T-A-L, connects freelancers with the right company. Need an editor and a publication specialist. And Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R. Web application automation needs a senior data analyst and director of professional services. Wow. Okay. Well, there you go. Fully remote jobs. Um, and like you said, you know, if they're remote, they don't have a geographic boundary necessarily. Of course, you know, you need to look up the details and go case by case with the jobs. Um, you know, it's been a, another crazy week since we last spoke. A lot of ups and downs. Uh, what's the latest on stock, oil, precious metals, crypto prices? What are the markets saying right now? Yes, it was a big week. Over the past week, gold is, went up $37. It's now at 1666. Silver went up over a dollar to 1957. The Dow gained 1415. It's now 31,830. 
thirty-nine. Oil eighty-eight twenty-six, up two twenty-eight. Bitcoin twenty thousand seven fifty-six. That's the highest it's been for several weeks. The pound, the dollar sixteen plus, up almost four cents. It's the British problems are easing or at least stabilizing. The euro is over a dollar now. It's fractionally less than a dollar one, but it gained three cents as U.S. interest rates seem like they may not be going up as much. And the, even the hundred yen coin gained a penny sixty-eight cents. So. What we're seeing here is increased hope for no interest rate hike next month. And all the money that's out there can't stay out of the markets forever. When it returns to the markets, what does that mean for the rest of us? Well, it's generally a good thing. These things are higher. The oil is not so good. That we'd rather have lower. It's, that's been pretty much stable. It's been around the 80s, in the 80s for some time. So look for gas to stay about the same for now. There's no reason for it to jump up, as some people are talking. Not yet. So hmm, ride with that, and everything else is good. All right. Well, with that sound there, that means it's time once again for our friends, the robots, on our exclusive segment, Keeping an Eye on Robots and Artificial Intelligence in the Workplace. It's Robot Watch with James B. Huntington on WorkShift Live, here for a fun drive edition on our fall favorites fun drive. Robots are my favorites, so that's why we're, we're doing uh, an extended Robot Watch. James, let's start off with Amazon. What's their latest news with robots? Yes, it's a surprising thing they've done. They had a home delivery robot called Scout, described as the size of a small cooler and can navigate around anything, including pedestrians. It is being put on hold. They are saying that it's because they are scaling back or reorienting the program. I've seen enough of this sort of thing to know that that's automatically fishy. There is probably some issue, the reason why they don't want to be making them anymore. So don't count on them coming back real soon. It was an imaginative idea that could have developed, and it's a funny thing for them to decide to just stop using them. So you that indicates to you that it's more than like like some kind of simple bug or problem that needs to be worked out with the robot itself. There's other uh, economic factors at work making them decide to maybe hold back yeah, on that. If, if, if they had bugs, they would have had people working 24 hours or whatever if necessary yeah. to get it fixed so they could keep it in action. More is going on here. It's too bad. All right. You don't usually see setbacks like this for robots. Amazon deciding to, to take a step back with the scout there, but how about robots in kindergarten? We got robots in kindergarten now, James? Believe it or not, yes, we have kindergartners starting what they call a Ready, Set, Robotics Challenge. This is at Primrose Schools, which has 400 early education centers. They're quite common, so what they're doing is giving kids from kindergarten to fifth grade 
skills that usually get taught to students much older. They say young children love robotics. They can learn even something about coding if they can get their handle on basic arithmetic. They can mm. do a lot of coding and logic and things make sense. Yeah, I was going to say, at that age, working on robots, you know, even if you don't get your head fully around the math, you, you're, you're exercising the, the logic end of things. Yes, I mean, they can do sequential things, like what does it take to get a soda out of the refrigerator? Well, you walk into the kitchen, you open the refrigerator oh. door, you look for a soda, you take one out. And it you... takes a robot. That's what, that's what yes, we need. We so need a robot it, for that. Could, yeah, they can instruct robots to do that at remarkably young ages. They say that students are are completing special missions. I just imagine they, them programming robots to get into the cookie jar or the hidden cookie stash and bring it over to them. But if they could do that, I think they should have the cookies. Okay, that sounds good. Of course, we do know that there was a famous story just a couple months ago about a, a chess robot, unfortunately, uh, grabbing and, and hurting a young person. Are robots going to learn how to better grab fragile objects? Yes, absolutely. We have something here about a tentacle robot. Remember, <laughs> oh, no. A little. Yeah. They've got yes. tentacles now. Yes, they're growing tentacles. <laughs> be scared. Be very scared. Yes, yes. They're designed like jellyfish, where jellyfish have large numbers of individually weak tentacles, which can do things in groups and be quite strong. They're soft. They're able to capture things that are delicate. So what we have here is applications for things like, well, priceless artifacts from sunken ships as described here, or capturing a piece of coral, something oh. where your stereotypical metal robot hand would break it, almost certainly, but these things are soft. The picture here makes it look sort of like sausages or something. Oh, but my goodness. softer than that. And, yes, this is, a, this is the kind of thing robots have not been good at. And as development continues here, we could turn that weakness even into a strength. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. So, um, you know, we talk a lot about robots and AI coming into the workplace and sometimes it's a question of, I think it's fun to, to kind of, you know, say, okay, it's robots versus humans, but it's not always that case. So is there, is there really a battle? Is there a conflict going on between robots and humans in the workplace? And um, if so, who's winning? Well, we have an opinion piece from the New York Times earlier this month saying, in the battle with robots, human workers are winning. It seems to me more of a compendium of areas where robots have not done everything yet. They're, they're pointing out that, as of now anyway, the robots are not able to replace a lot of thinking jobs. Some of them they are. And in a lot of cases, like radiology, what they're doing instead of becoming total radiologists, which they can't do yet, they're helping. They're providing resources. They're doing, in a sense, the easier analysis of x-rays. 
and allowing the more difficult, the unusual conditions, the real things that people learn in medical school that you're not going to find in anything automated or on a Google diagnosis thing. Those are the things that really are going to continue to give specialists in a lot of areas their value. So we have a lot of things a lot of concern, of course, we've had about jobs going away, but we don't know they are they're growing. There was even a thing here negative about robots and fast food places, but we know it's on the way, and we don't need to replace every single worker in an area for robots really to win if you you get situations like where we have in effect robot checkout people at grocery stores and such, and they're not replacing everyone. You still have employees standing there who are kept pretty busy dealing with problems, but you have two people managing eight checkout stations. So in a way, the robots are winning, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it's not going to be a walkover, and it's not going to, they're not going to replace everybody, even in a lot of these fields where it seems like they have a big advantage. We're going to have to go real fast, uh, James, but I, I think I'll add to that in some ways, too. It just seems to be a continuation of the same type of impacts of technology on the workplace that we've been seeing for decades, if not centuries. Yes. Oh, yes. People were talking in the 60s about robots. Support for Radio Catskill comes from Garnet Health Medical Center, Catskills. Garnet Health, going above and beyond to elevate care every day for every person. Learn more at garnethealth.org. Exceptional lives here. And from The Cooperage Project in Honesdale, dedicated to building community through performance, learning, markets, and good times. Thecooperageproject.org. And from listeners like you who donate at wjffradio.org. This is WJFF Jeffersonville and W233AH Monticello. Radio Catskill, your community radio station. WJFFradio.org.